I'm Shanna Martin, host of the Tech Tools for Teachers podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the High Tech Podcast. This is your host, William Ellingworth, joined by my fellow host, Joshua Swartz. We're here. Hey there. 125. It's pretty crazy. How yeah, many episodes? That was like the most professional introduction we've done for the High Tech Podcast in 122 episodes. That was, <laughs> that was solid, you know? That was... As this is a running thing in our podcast, we never do intros that well. So like, I, I felt like that was a solid, you know, very calm, professional, like radio host version. Of the I was, podcast I remember intro. my yeah. dad had a pod at a radio show. I've talked about this once or twice, but um, he started every radio show, I think the same ways. Well, he had he had a buffer and it was like kind of a, a song and then this, you know, the deep radio talk show Stephen yeah. Maletto voice comes in yeah um and it, and he would be like you need to fix your house do you need to think of this well da, 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 da. and now the house mechanic hotline you know it just like it always rolled yeah. and it and it and it hits yeah. um, it was nice maybe that's good. what we should do so and now the high-tech podcast yeah so, exactly I, I i love it yeah and then i i maybe enter maybe in we should way. get steve Maybe we could yes. show to do our intro for us. Yeah. A little bit. I like, I like this. Or alternate idea. Uh, listeners, let us know how you feel about this. Uh, an AI generated intro to the high tech <laughs> podcast, but we change it every week. Like we, we like, we, we just, we AI generate a different voice. Voice. Um, yeah. Like we just, that's, we just, we rotate voices. It's not you the know? worst idea. Just going to be a lot of voice. Or, 11 labs which you talked about on a previous episode of the high tech podcast hashtag not curious. a sponsor hashtag not a sponsor hashtag, yet yeah not but you could be um join the club <laughs> it's a small club of zero at the moment but you can sponsor the <laughs> high tech podcast um <laughs> yeah exactly um like we get steve uh, steve if you're listening to this episode this is basically my request to you okay um is uh i would like to train 11 labs on your voice so will and i can use it <laughs> you're suddenly asking a lot more than i thought <laughs> to, to regenerate uh and and make random statements you know like that's no that's all that's, i'm saying a lot of trust on steve's it's behalf a lot of trust yeah i'd rather just see if we couldn't get him to do like you know and now your host you know and just it cuts in yeah. from steve being like welcome yeah welcome. yeah well it's a thing Anyways, um, it's fine. That was not a real ask, for... Steve. That's a bit ridiculous. <laughs> Here's episode 125, where we will be digging into a conversation and an ed tech, as we always do. This episode's focus is on how to improve your course. And that's going to be different, I think, whether you're K-12 or higher education. Uh, it's going to be different whether you're online or face-to-face. -face. It's going to be different if you're hybrid. Um, what does it look like to stay on top of your course? What are the rhythms of uh, fixing up your course? How do you get your content together? Josh and I were even just talking a little bit and getting prepped for the episodes. Like, 
I had one idea about this. He had another idea. We kind of yeah. meet in the middle. I like his idea because it's it's really something we've both wrestled with in helping faculty. When, you know, this is one of the questions in this this topic. When does the course get fixed? When does the course get yeah, up? When do you, How often do we do that? These are do you, big yeah. questions. I, well, and I want to I want to start off with I think it depends on what type of course we're talking about, right? So, like yeah. in higher ed, let's go to the higher ed context for a second. Um, like I'm teaching a course this semester, but that course is a what we would call traditional kind of face to face course. It's a course where uh, I, you know, I, I went off of a previous version. Another instructor who I know well is a mentor of mine did to teach the course, uh, but I've adapted it. I've changed it a lot. I've tweaked. Uh, the way the course functions, right? And uh, so sometimes I will make tweaks to the course in the moment of the course, right? Because I'm I'm right. the teacher and I I made the thing, right? So I can I can kind of tweak it. That's that's one thing, right? Um, that's not all people's scenarios. And the in the consistent movement towards online, or even some institutions who don't give that much flexibility to the professors, even in a face to face course. You can't always do that, right? You have a certain curriculum that you do have to teach and you can't necessarily make some of those changes. Even in my context, there is still some stuff I can't change. I can't change the learning outcomes for my course, right? Okay. Like, yep. so I can change how I get there necessarily, depending on how the students are doing during that. I can make adaptations. I can, you know, tweak assignments that are in there, but I can't go and change the, the outcomes. But changing outcomes might be something that improves the course. It might be the outcomes were not that great. Um, and you needed to change it. So when when do you do those things? Um, I think in an online environment in some places, there is an environment like that where you have more control to edit. There's other environments where Will and I have been involved in that are uh, what we would call a more like a masterized approach where you don't have a lot of ability to necessarily change the course itself. You may be able to make tweaks to instructions and things like that. Um, but like those won't hold over every time the course is taught right so like when do you go in and deal with all those things these are all the logistics i feel like we're dealing with when we're trying to improve or deal with a course is how do how do we wrestle through those areas how much is too much how much is not enough um i feel like those are the questions we're often wrestling through in these types of things and the teacher who has uh you know k-12 teacher who has uh, you know, four or five different preps, right? That's different course content. They can't just teach one course two or three times a day. You know, it has less space to do this than oh, even, yeah. you know, like, like I've, I've, I've gained some language from my K-12 friends and stuff like that. Like there's, there's some K-12 teachers who get the kind of privilege or, or benefit of only having two preps, but they might have, you know, four or five courses in a day. So they take two content areas they make a lesson plan and then they teach it to different sets of students mm -hmm. all day. What ends up happening to them is, okay, you know, one class gets further than the other class, which happens in higher education all the time. Um, and they get out of sync and suddenly, you know, you're, you're kind of doing half of this lesson plan and half the other one. And that's what can make it harder for you to have the time like, all right, well, I need to fix this. Okay. Well, if you need to fix this one course, let's say algebra one, um, but the problem is in a lesson you just taught to one class. Well, if you fix it and the other class gets a different portion, like that's where it can get to be sticky for our K-12 colleagues. Yeah. Our higher that's ed right. colleagues know that um, they're done this semester and then they can start they can start over the course. Or yes, that's true. That, they're done that unit. So they can just go back and fix that unit if they want to. Um, they don't I don't think they have as much of that like 
I've had faculty complain about, oh, well, my, my 10 a.m. class got a different course than my 2 p.m. class did, but it's still just not the same level at which like most K-12 teachers no, are dealing yeah. with quantity. Um, you know, it's for a the moment, situation. just pointing at some of the issues and struggles we deal with and how to get this stuff updated. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's a different issue, right? And and I will say, I think what I think maybe for the, this conversation we should focus on is not necessarily like the minor little tweaks we're talking about, right? Like you always make minor different tweaks, right? If I teach to a, a, a different group or section in the morning and I teach later in the afternoon, I might notice something that didn't go well in that first section. Right. Um, and so I do it a little bit different, right? In the second section, I tweak that. That's not what we're talking about, right? You That's, that's different. It's kind of like a fluid tweak system of your own as you're kind of noticing things i think what we're well, more and just to make one to, caveat on that though is sometimes those fluid yeah. tweaks need to become permanent and so there even needs to be yes. a process of like tracking yeah, yeah, yeah. them or, or keeping yes. up with them. so i agree with you yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent. so we're starting to get in that was a great transition to what i want about about to go to so what i think we want to focus here is maybe less about what you do to improve your course but things that you can incorporate to foster good improvement right like mm. to to kind of let improvement grow if you will you know <laughs> the miracle grow of courses right we're not we're not talking about what plants you plant to make a good why am i going with a gardening metaphor i don't know i don't garden um we, <laughs> not what you plant but the 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 soil that you have around you that causes the growing to happen right that feels like a good analogy in my mind because I never plant. If you do and it's not a great analogy, too bad you're not here. Uh, so we can continue. We'll start your podcast. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, we'll include some of these things to improve. Um, <laughs> we're going to jump into. I think one of the first things you could do that's a great favor to you is um, come up with some kind of system for capturing ideas for improvement. Um, and I want to, I want to be broad, right? Because this looks different depending on your context, right? If you're just, uh, a K-12 teacher teaching a couple preps, I learned new words today and I'm going to just run with it and pretend like I knew them my whole life. Uh, if you're running with those types of ideas, right, this might be just a place for you to record your own thoughts about a way to improve the course, right? Mm. So maybe it's something along the lines of like, man, this didn't go well this way. If, ah, I think if I did this, maybe, um, this might be a little bit better. Just having a place for you to record that, um, that you can go back to, right? And that can look different for a lot of different people. Uh, Robin, who's been on this podcast, if she's listening, for her, it might be sticky notes. And I make fun of her at work <laughs> about that. Um, <laughs> Will has a notebook that I was just making fun of him for. That might be your solution, okay? Um, if you want to live in the, the new era uh where we were microsoft OneNote. (laughs) uh no that's that's different uh you might i don't know uh you might use a different system maybe maybe you have like a a google sheet or a place you're putting things i would suggest notion seems like a great spot but that's just me um (laughs) why ever would you think that josh i don't know so like having a place to capture those ideas like for myself i have a place in notion because i live in that thing that I capture ideas for improvement on the course I'm teaching, right? Um, that may look different, though, in a bigger program, right? So Will knows this. We're working on a system right now in my work to implement a standard improvement system across the institution. And so we have a, a tool called Airtable that we're using to foster this capturing of improvement across hundreds of courses, right? And so it's a form. It's a thing that instructors can fill out, student support can fill out, 
they fill this thing out and it, it goes to a data repository of improvement things. And in our cases, the people who kind of own the program uh, for the courses will be having access to this database and be able to see what people are suggesting as improvements, right? So like that's, that's an area. The key though is capturing those things, right? Um, you want to be able to capture those ideas because if you don't capture those ideas, they get lost. And I think this is part of the reason people feel the absurd necessity to like fix things immediately because they're afraid mm. they're going to forget it. The solution is not to just fix things immediately. The solution is to actually record it. I don't know what. I feel so attacked. I'm sorry. Oh my. <laughs> no, 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 no. In the best way. In the best way. I, I am that person. Like if I see something, I fix it. Yeah. Why would I wait to fix it? But, yeah. but. I get it. I mean, like there's a, there's a certain thing that's different between like, I don't know, uh, stuff around my house, right? Like a doors, a doors, a jar, a door squeak. Oh my gosh. My, um, my door was squeaky recently. It was annoying me. I like WD 40 did immediately, right? Like I didn't wait <laughs> to, to, to fix the squeaky door, but yeah. there's a difference between those kinds of quick fixes or fixing things that are, you know, that's permanent yeah. to my door. Um, then a course, like a course has an ecosystem to it. It has its own, in a sense, homeostasis. It needs the objectives. It needs the goals. It needs the terminal objectives for the, it needs, it needs everything within it, the activities, how the students interact, the software involved. It needs, it's all this big old package. And if you just fix one thing on the fly and you don't think about the impact of that thing on the whole course, yeah. You could break something. You could set it off in a bad in a bad way, yeah. right? Like they remember an instance. It's not it, it's not a perfect one to one here, but I remember an instance with a course. Josh knows it, where um, you know the students want need to be able to watch something, and 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 the solution was to make the students make a free trial for Netflix to watch the video. <laughs> How that's a break yeah. fix. That's like a reaction. Yeah, that's yeah. like a that's reaction. Oh, I need the students to watch this. Let me just, uh, I, how would I do this? I don't know. I, I just, you know, get a, get a Netflix yeah. trial. That's not sustainable. It's not scalable. I'm pretty sure it's not legal given terms of service and all that crap. Um, 100%. So <laughs> you need to have a permanent solution. That is something where you should not just react and put, Oh yeah, just Netflix. Yeah. Like that's something like Josh is saying, like, write that down, go to your instructional designers, go to your legal teams, go to your library and find out how to get the materials you need yeah, permanently set in your course to, to, to mesh with and to maintain that homeostasis for the course. I mean, it's, we're kind of still kind of garden adjacent or biology, at least at this point yeah. with our metaphors, but like it's a living, breathing thing and, and messing with the wrong thing could mess the whole course up. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Um, I will, I will say like a good reason why some of those quick fixes don't, and I'm not saying you shouldn't quick fix some things, right? It's a strong, uh, there's some areas that just, it makes sense to do something. I get that. But sometimes a lot of times those fixes you do quickly in the moment come back to bite you if you're not careful, right? Like, so a perfect example of this is that course Will is talking about. It didn't necessarily fully bite everybody uh, when Will was still there, but I will tell you it did when Will was gone and I was there uh, and we had to deal with the uh, the famous course that has Netflix in it uh, because it got worse. Um, so the uh, like those things can happen. I I think here here's the thing that like my my biggest thing behind this right is why you don't necessarily want to implement fixes right away is because one 
you might want some time to think about what the problem actually is and right. what the solution is, right? Too often, we're very quick to assume what the problem is. And I see this all the time with professors. I see this with myself. I see this with teachers all the time. It's like a student will say, uh, especially in online courses, they'll be like, this didn't work well on this thing. And the instructor's immediately like, this is the solution. But you thought about it for a whole 30 seconds. Like, <laughs> the person who designed that course thought about it for weeks. Yep. Uh, I'm not saying that that's not an issue and it should be fixed, but is that the fix? Like, if you right. thought about it carefully enough, right? Um, I, I also like to take, take time to understand the problem, right? And that, that's that's the big thing. Sorry, go ahead, Will. Yeah, I mean, just a quick one to say, I remember uh, someone in my career who would react to issues like that and just, like, take out an entire exam. Like, just oh, drop Oh, yeah, 100%. It. You know, like it's like, yeah, oh, the students that. are complaining about something. Boom, done. Just take Delete the exam, the exam. Out. Yeah. Uh, 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 no, like that's not the solution to yes. it's not working great or a student couldn't get into it or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is, uh, that's rough. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've seen people like remove tools out of a course because two students had issues with it. Yep. Like, well, like there, there probably could have been another solution if we took a second. Uh, and, and again, the thing I emphasize is take time to understand the problem. Um, right. We are too good at saying what we think the solutions are without actually understanding what the problem is. Um, we need to carefully understand the problem. So this kind of get into one of our thoughts that Will and I were getting out of, which is basically like it, to to set up an environment that fosters good improvement. I think you also can't be reactive. You have to collect and be careful about what those improvements are. And yes, you should react when it's clear there's an issue. Um, you don't want to wait forever to deal with a problem. That's another problem where like an online course, for instance, will get a made will and I've seen this and it doesn't get updated for 10 years. Like th that's a huge problem. That's too right? slow. That's not yes, frequent that's enough. Too slow. That's the other end. Uh, but too often I see people being very reactive these days where it's like we have an issue and we immediately want to solve the problem, but we haven't taken time to actually understand what the problem is. Uh, and we haven't compared it against what's bigger stuff, right? So like, here's a good example, right? Let's say uh, Will and I are teaching a course on tanks and we notice that uh, in week one, this, this, I don't know, whatever it is, our, our, uh, our interactive activity on tanks didn't go well because uh, they accidentally ran over a bunny rabbit with a tank. I, I don't know. Wh whatever the problem Rough. is. Right? Rough. We might like invest a whole bunch of energy into fixing that thing that first week. But guess what? Week four, something like way bigger happens. Uh, the tank mm -hmm. activity we decided to do, it turns out you shouldn't have fifth graders build tanks and they end up blowing, up the, they end up blowing up the school. Uh, like the, like, um, it's got really dramatic. I know whatever. while we were trying to deal with the bunny, the school got yeah. blown up. Yeah. The school got blown up. Right. Um, if you wait to deal with the problem, if you wait to record the problems and look at them afterwards, other problems become less of a, a focus when they're in comparison to bigger problems that happened later. Yeah. Right. And so instead of wasting energy on just constantly being reactive to everything, you can sit back, have time to be in the moment in the course, be in the moment with the students, teach them. And then afterwards reflect on it as a whole in context of everything that happened and see maybe that problem in week four wasn't actually a problem. We got to week six and it didn't actually become a problem. Uh, what you thought was going to happen, right? And so those those things I think can help us help us build those areas. So I've been talking for a while. There's, Will, no, 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 an no. idea you got? 
there's 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 some there's some psychology to this though that I think is really important. It's something that I've been working on my day job recently that I that's been that's been sitting with me. I don't know all of the theoretical background to it, so forgive me, folks. I'm not going to cite people directly, but like we we just operate. Oh yeah, yeah, just like ChatGPT, you know, just uh, so Swanson, <laughs> yeah. Sir, Swan, Sir Swanson of the 19th century, um, yes. has this theory in psychology. <laughs> system one and system two thinking. This is newer to me. People in psychology are like, dude, that's old hat. Whatever. But system one thinking is automatic, responsive, um, stimulus-based thinking. Like, boom, mm-hmm. I need to react. It's it's mostly associated with the fight or flight. It's, it's um, stereotypes are based on system one thinking, right? Like, that's that, that issue. Like, oh my gosh, the bunny got run over. I need to react to it system two thinking is slow effortful it takes it takes a logical approach there's rational time it requires time to think about it i think that one of the things to be considering here is that when the bunny gets run over we do need to act what josh is what what i put some language to what you're saying josh is instead of doing that system one immediate reaction it's okay to take an hour or two it's okay to take a day or two it's okay to not do it immediately is the point and take time to process what you're pointing towards with a system is, you know, notion, for instance, you're creating your own ticket log. Imagine if you're teaching a course and it's 16, 17 weeks long and you're going through and once a week, something's happening. A student does it and you just kind of pivot and you pivot and you pivot and you pivot. And by the time you get to the week 17, you've made, 17 adjustments to the course again that homeostasis ecosystem thing in mind the course is no longer what you had designed i mean who knows what the scope of the changes are or whatever but like yeah. when you make those changes one at a time it's just like yeah sure i just did change yeah sure i just did change suddenly it's three hours four hours seven hours ten hours of time you've sunk into these changes whereas if you had stopped and processed and said thank you for submitting that issue student whatever this issue is right i'll get back to you you wait a week and something else comes up and you can identify, oh, there's a there's a there's a relationship between two week issues in weeks one and two. I can do one fix that's gonna solve for both issues. Now I can reduce my time and effort across 17 weeks from making 17 changes to making eight changes, right? Or or nine changes um, that are more yeah. immediate, more right now issues, but then I can I can even document and keep the things that like, oh, maybe I need to do is an element of this, but it's going to be much more effective if I do that with the entire course in mind. I, I've seen some changes like that happen where, you know, the reaction is a, a right now thing, but it negatively affects the scaffold towards the exam, towards the presentation, yeah. towards something else like that. I was teaching a course once. I... Um, it was tw- it was a it was a year my father passed away actually uh, it was the first college course i was getting to teach i was very excited about it i my dad had been diagnosed i knew he was diagnosed but we didn't know his status so i went into the semester i was like you know what? i'm going to give this my best try i don't i want i you know naive day i think i want my dad to survive I, it's going to be great we don't think he's got any issues and i'm deciding this in december my father passes away in march I have to step away and, and I can't teach the course and the teacher steps in for me. And I, when I come back to him, like, there's no way i had been doing some quizzes and stuff. There's no way that I can keep the quizzes up. Yeah. Keep assessing them, keep creating them. Da, 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 da. There's like no way I can. And when I looked at it, I was like the quizzes 
are not as relevant to the final exam, the final thing, which was for them to teach something. It might have helped them with some terminology. It might have reinforced it. But I was like, you know what? They're done. I just dropped them. I, I cut them. I cut them out. It's dramatic, right? This is dramatic around the past of my father. Not everybody's dealing with something that dramatic. But I was able to assess, take some time, and think, I don't need this entire form of assessment. I can drop it. If my final assessment had been a 100-point quiz, though, I could not have removed those quizzes. It wouldn't It wouldn't have been fair to the students to drop yeah. those quizzes yeah. and take away their practice time, their modeling time, that would have set them up for success with their exam. I was only able to do that because I was using it as a complementary reinforcing activity as opposed to something leading and scaffolding towards a final or cumulative exam. Yeah. I needed some system one thinking, right? Things very suddenly changed in my life, but I, I was able to take the system two time and system two thinking and, and just process it and say, okay, is what is the effect of this? How does it impact my students? Is there a negative mm -hmm. effect? You know, the students are going to be happy. Take away the quizzes. What student's going to complain about that? But oh, there will be one. get the practice and study they need, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're evaluating off of what what you're what you're working off of, and to your point, like extenuating circumstances. But that stuff comes up for teachers all the time. Like whether it's that severe or other things, you have to evaluate things in your courses and, and deal with what you're looking at, right? And you have to figure out yep. what's the best decision to make. And sometimes you have to make those on on the fly, um, and you have to make those in that moment. And other times, I think if you set up a cadence of collecting ideas and things, you can you can look back on things and uh, and make those improvements. Um, we're hitting a lot of time on some of these things, so I want to make sure we, we capture a couple different, yep, yep, two kind of two other ideas I would give, and this is me backing up now to a higher level view, right? So I'm I'm going to be honest, I'm not probably talking to the individual teacher looking to just improve their course or their their uh, I forgot the word already preps, right? Is that is yeah, that what I'm preps, looking for? Preps, yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, 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 totally. I was just making that up. I wanted I was testing. Well, <laughs> um, so yeah, um. We, we get asked this question a handful of times. We've had this come up, and actually Will and I just recently have an email that I have not responded to yet, um, but I will, uh, about <laughs> uh, from somebody talking about uh, they're looking to start up like a program uh, of developing courses, especially we're seeing this very often now. People are trying to get into the online game a bit. They're trying yep. to um, start uh, developing these programs of courses and things like that. And so they're looking at, like, how do, how do they do that? You know, what what systems do they put in place what do they do there's two things i want to recommend um that involve around course improvement one if your institution doesn't already do this they should be um and i can speak as one who is currently trying to make that happen at his uh there needs to be a cadence of evaluation and improvement at your institution right too often will and i have seen this happen people like uh we were talking about this in addy right where evaluation is the final piece right i forget it's analyze um design, design develop implement, design develop yeah there we go um so i i know it i know it well enough as a flow that i forget what the actual words mean anymore at this point <laughs> um the <laughs> so uh in addy a lot of people stop at basically like developing and releasing a course and then they never actually like evaluate it. Um, yeah. I am surprised by how many people kind of have this view of courses where it's like you make them, you know, like you build this little robot, you know, um, and you just kind of like let it out into the world, you know, like that. <laughs> that, that It'll be fine. 
it'll be fine. And that's how we got Terminator, right? So like yeah. we <laughs> we just let it go. We need to evaluate how it's going as well, right? And so that cadence needs to exist, right? Does your institution have a life cycle for the course, right? Will and I were talking about this before we started recording, right? This looks different in different places in corporate, like in some of the areas Will's at. This is an area I think that is a, a tough space for them and often is left to the wayside, right? I think, Will, you've seen this a lot where it's like we develop like a, a small module of a course or whatever and, and you release it and then it's just like it's there out in the That's ether. It. it is And like done. nobody yeah. ever is evaluating it or seeing how it's going and there's no life cycle to return back to that course and, and revise it, right? And so I think there needs to be some kind of life cycle to that. My encouragement of things you should plug into that life cycle, always evaluate early on a new course that comes out, right? Because that course is never, course is never ran. Uh, if you've created a course, you're developing a course, you're working on something, evaluate it after the first time it's finished, right? And evaluate it well after the first time it's finished. Because going back to my robot analogy, I don't know why. It's probably because I'm watching a D&D video right now and they've got like a little robot in the campaign <laughs> named uh, Fresh Grass. Uh, I watch Critical Role, uh, if they're ever listening Fresh to this. His name grass. Is Fresh Grass. He's hilarious. He's a great character. Uh, okay. Highly recommend this. No, uh, but he's, he's like a little robot. Um, and uh, like, so this little robot's never been in the world before. And you're like, okay, little robot, here you go. Like, the first time the little robot gets out into the world, you should evaluate how that little robot's doing. Like, did he kill a person? Like, do we, <laughs> do you know? We don't, we don't, we don't know. Did fresh grass murder someone. <laughs> like, like, here's a good example, right? Uh, as much as we bash the AI, sometimes bash people behind AI and, and it's scared of it or whatever. Like when people first released, um, what was it? Microsoft's uh, Bing version of the AI. Um, to their credit, oh, yeah, 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 they did evaluate it pretty early on after it was being out. And uh, right. it was a good thing they did because that thing was straight wild. Uh, it was like, <laughs> it was saying weird stuff. Um, doing, like, and, very racist things and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like it, it like it it tried to get somebody to marry it. Like it was it was like oh, it was God. wild the stuff that it was doing. They evaluated <laughs> it. Our courses are a lot like this. They've never run with students the first time you do it. So you should evaluate it carefully. Uh, and then figure out a cadence on how often you're going to revisit a course. Right? Courses should not sit around for a long time. Uh, they get outdated. They the content's yeah. not right. Things will break. Like resources you'll use and link to in courses, especially in online courses, oh will break gosh. and not not be usable. Fixing right? Like <laughs> yes, accessibility standards change over time. Like you need to go back yep. to that stuff. A course made ten years ago is completely broken at this point. So like you need to be evaluating those things. So if whatever you're building into your process, make sure evaluation is not just a thing you want to do, but is a part of the DNA of that flow. Right. I think you would agree. Will. right. You've seen this not happen in places plenty of times. I've, I've, I've never seen it happen. I've never seen it done. It, it's, it's ironic. It's, it's literally the last letter in the Addy framework. Addy is the top. It's, it's, if you're in instructional design, you've heard Addy. It, it's, it's a joke to me actually, when you look at a job description for an instructional designer, it says, you know, familiarity with Addy. It's like, that's a gatekeeper, but like if you're an instructional designer, you know it. If you're not, yeah. if you don't know it, you're not an instructional designer. It's, it's not yeah, it's a test. I was once in an interview with a guy who didn't know Addy, and he was being uh, applying for an instructional design position. Um, right, right. Uh, but like immediate red flag. So, so <laughs> I'm I'm working. Okay, 
I'm in a, I've had a career for nine years. Uh, I'm working on my 10th year of, of having a career in one field. I've been in learning design for 10 years and I've never seen someone apply E, which is the stage to evaluate, which is the stage to go back over review and, and improve. I've seen people do it incidentally or like instructional designers do it that weren't that were told not to do it. I've, I've seen I've seen rogue designers <laughs> fix things, you know, uh, we know a few of them. Um, yeah. But the idea that it should be there is it's it's a part of the life cycle of Addy of, of design and, and what why it doesn't happen, Josh. And, and we've what you're talking about um, a second ago, like it, it, it requires budgeting time for two courses practically. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, not, it's not exactly yeah. this. It's not, it's not multiply by two. But like if you think about designing and delivering an online 17-week uh, traditional higher education course, you have the development time that goes into launching it. You have the 17 weeks that go through running it. You have the feedback period, like student evaluation, stuff like that. Anything that's immediately after the course or coming off, right off the course. And then you probably should have another three-month evaluation period on that same course again. Like it, it shouldn't just die. Um, it, it's yeah, going to so like, time again to go back over it and fix it. And if there's significant yeah, yeah. changes, you have to rip and tear, right? Like if it's, yeah. if it's easy stuff, great. You sign off, you move forwards. But if it actually needs to be changed, it's like doing the course development over again. That's yeah. And no one, no so, one's willing to do that. Yes. And Ooh, we're getting into a topic. This is going to run a little bit longer than we planned it. Cause we're getting into a topic that's, that's triggering for me. Um, my, <laughs> my comment is, does it though? Like, okay, so, like, here, here's the thing, right? Like, this is why I don't think it happens. Because that's the perspective of most people. Is that you go in, you evaluate it afterwards. But does evaluation... This is getting into a thing that is also a point we should talk about improvement. Does evaluation and improvement mean changing the whole course after sure. it's done? Right? So, sure. like, after the first... You're right. Like, let's say it's an atrocious mess. Yes, okay, you have to, you have to change the whole course. But at the end of the day that's less money than everybody dropping out of that course and hating that course. Right. So like that's one or wasting the money that never, you know, like you spend the money to make it the first place and now you don't ever use it. Like you've you've sunk your costs. Yeah. But like on the average, it doesn't have to be everything. Right. So like, so here's, here's a philosophy I take. And this is one of the things that we're, we're implementing in our area that some people like, some people don't, which those of you who've listened to the podcast know that I am clearly a fanboy for a company called 37 signals um, <laughs> that runs a tool called Basecamp, um, that they have a whole book called shape up. That's about project management and all this stuff. And will knows it now at this point, because I've, I've forced it upon ourselves in our company and the podcast that we're doing he something has, similar. He has pulled me um, in like his Padawan. I yes, think the only uh, way he loves 37 signals more folks is if 37 signals owned notion. Like that's the only thing that could yes, make him happier yes. about 37. Signals. But in their philosophy, they probably never would. That's the thing that makes me sad, but it's right, fine. Right, right, right. Um, but like, so they have this idea about like, we talk about like time. I'm getting into some project management stuff here for a second. So we talk about time boxing at a personal level, right? So time boxing is this idea there's some there's like different terminologies here i'm generalizing so if any project management people are listening here i know deal with it okay so um time (laughs) boxing in general is this idea where like you're setting yourself like some time barriers right where like you're only willing to do something in this certain period of time right in a personal level 
uh, in some ways it plays out, I time box my days, right? So I might say, I'm going to do this thing in the morning. I'm only committing the morning to this, right? And if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. It moves to something else. Or I just say it's good enough and I hand it in or do whatever I'm going to do with it and move on, right? right. Um, I think an improvement, we need to do this more. I think part of the problem is the reason evaluation doesn't happen is because we think evaluation needs to be, we evaluate the course and then like we fix anything that's wrong with it. Sure. No. Evaluation could be you evaluate it, you find the things that are wrong with it, you say, we're only willing to commit six weeks to improving this course. What can we fix in six weeks? You fix right. those things. That course is still better than it was if you hadn't done that. Yep. Is it perfect? No. Will it ever be perfect? Sorry. No. Like, no. so that <laughs> we just, we move on. And, and that's not true in all cases. Like to caveat to what you're saying, Will, like there is some cases where a course is so broken that you, you just have to start over. Like it's just, it did not work. Right. right? But the 95% of the time, I don't think that's actually the issue. I think we right. get too focused on what all is wrong with it. Let's fix all of it. And, it's, um, and it's, instead it's of hyper focusing on the um, most important things, it becomes like a oh, what kind of argument? Holy smokes! Is it called a scarecrow argument? That doesn't. That's not I, right. Straw man. Straw man argument. Like you're, straw man. Like everybody's, everybody's, <laughs> scarecrow. Straw man. Scarecrow. Wow. Tin man. Well, it's yeah, a tin man argument. <laughs> I, I, I choose lion man. Um, <laughs> gosh, distracted myself. Sorry. This is great. No, no, no. Um, Gosh, we, 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 we throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, we say, oh, we're not going to do any evaluations because we possibly could maybe in one situation every three years have to redo a course. It's like, yeah. like your, your point is, Josh, no, you might have to just do a 5% tweak and you're done. Yeah. In three weeks. Yeah, and, yeah. and you're good. And maybe next time you do another 5% tweak, but we don't have to do a 45% rehaul, overhaul. Yeah. You know, like... It, and it's, if you have it's a cadence of coming, of coming back, that's why it doesn't matter. Like, if you yeah. don't have to fix everything, if in three years you're going to come back to the course anyway, fix the most right. important things, and then we'll see in three years if those things you think are also important right now are still important, right? Like that's and there's another, a way to that's systematize this. Pick it up, yeah. There's a way to systematize this, right, folks? Like, it's not one of those things where you got to be like, oh, I didn't like that course. I need to change it. No, 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 no. Whoa. Did 70% of your students pass with sufficiently high grades? You know, C, C pluses, D, D, uh, B minuses up. Like, it's 70% pass, 70% uh, of the quantity of students pass. Were your evaluations, you know, 70 plus percent high, right? Like, you're probably fine. Yes, there's always going to be issues. A student's not going to like you. An assignment's not going to go as well as you think, right? Based on the students in the class. But like, if you're if we're talking like your students all failed, it's probably not them. It's you. You know, if you're talking uh, the ex final exam, um, none of them completed it on time. You know, it's probably you, not them. Like these are big picture issues that will take big picture yeah. solutions. But if you're hitting some 60s or 70 percents, either on your student satisfaction ratings or on just like their grades and passing your course, then take this, take it step by step. Do a 5%, a 5%, a 5%. Every time you teach it, just improve it by 5%. 
as opposed yeah. to trying to overhaul 40% because you don't like it. So, you know, there's reason like jo- Josh is all about systems. Some of these things we're talking about tonight are like how to improve the course, when to improve the course, whatever. Set a mark for yourself. If your institution doesn't set it in the first place, some yeah. institutions, maybe Josh, like, is this a part of what you two, what you all are, are proposing? Maybe you have these kinds of thresholds, right? Like if the course performs X, then we don't touch it at all. If the course performs X, Y, then we, then we analyze it. We evaluate it to see if, um, if there needs to be an improvement, if it performs less than 60%, it must be reviewed. You know what I mean? There's yeah. thresholds you put there where it's just yeah. like, this could pass. They could just not be evaluated at all. If they meet certain thresholds in student satisfaction in grades yeah. in whatever metrics you want. Yeah. And in the system we're doing, we haven't done that yet because we're kind of putting the, the academic departments in our situation in the driver's seat a bit more to, okay. to make some decisions. The, the holding things we're doing is we've set our time boxes for ourselves. We can't do this. We can only do this many improvements. Your team is giving the our boundaries. Team has the set like boundaries for people and what we can do. And then we're also, we don't really have time to get too deep into this, but like we set a baseline for what we're looking at. Right. And so we, we use Oscar in this case, if you don't know what Oscar is. It's a uh, thing run by um, Sunny. We should have looked Suny. this up. Suny. Oh, Suny. There it's, we go. Suny. So just a quick little spelling lesson. It's Oscar O S C Q R. It's not Oscar, yeah. the name O S C Q R. And it's by SUNY, which is the, uh, something, something, something New York it's from OLC <laughs> online learning consortium is run yep. SUNY. Um, yep. and that's where Oscar is from. Uh, for those of you who don't are not involved in the online world or you're interested or you're getting into it, there's kind of two big kind of quality measure tools in the, in the field. There's Oscar, like Will said, not spelled like Oscar, an obnoxious spelling. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can post it on the site. Um, and then there's also uh, quality matters. Some people will reference it as QM. You might hear this mentioned, right? These are kind of standardized systems that two different parties have come across. Our institution adopt, adopt, adopted Oscar. Um, and so that's a part of our flow. Um, yeah. now that's been adapted by us. It's been changed. Will was just sharing this with the person that I haven't emailed back yet. Uh, the, the, uh, that Oscar is often adapted by the people. In fact, we adapted it, built our own rubric that calculates out the amount of hours a revision might take. And then that hours flows into a time box that we created for ourselves is the whole thing. Um, so, uh, but Oscar is, is a tool that's kind of a baseline you can use. So if you're looking for like baselines of saying, what do we consider a quality course? Uh, Oscar is a is a tool used for online courses that I really like. Um, I'm not saying I don't like Quality Matters. I'm just saying I don't I don't like it. Um, but we can move <laughs> we can move on. Um, <laughs> that's the point. Uh, it, there's well, a ton be of a stuff. Roastery episode. <laughs> yes, that'll be a roastery episode. Um, there's a ton of stuff you can do. I think the takeaway from here is uh, set up a system for capturing ideas, whether it's just from you or for other instructors, whatever you're doing. Make sure evaluation is a part of your system. Right. Make sure whatever system you've put in place for creating course content, there is a system for evaluating it on a regular basis. Um, and uh, yeah, setting some some time boxes for yourself and um, restrictions on how much you're willing to improve. If it's your individual course, maybe it's Will's 5% each time. I like that idea, like a 5% increase each time. It's great. It works for Comcast. It'll work for you. Uh, so <laughs> you... <laughs> Do you like that? that I, felt, I felt that good about was, that one. I felt oh, good about that one. If uh, only they <laughs> limited them. If only they only raised their prices by yeah, 5%. If only they only raised it 5%. Yeah. Uh, 
If only. <laughs> anyway, uh, setting those areas. There's a lot of other stuff you can do. Setting baselines, using tools like Oscar. There's other stuff Will and I didn't get a chance to uh, get into. There's content stuff you could change. This feels like a thing we're going to have to come back to on the High Tech Podcast at some point. Uh, it's an yeah. interesting topic. We didn't even uh, try. Sure. We made this episode too long. <laughs> yeah, we we hit, we already hit our numbers. So uh, if you're curious about it or you want to talk to one of us about how we've seen it doing or doing it um, and uh, or you want to talk, like, for instance, you want to talk to me about what we're doing. We'll, we commented on it a couple times in my institution, in my situation right now. I'm a part of a project team building out this workflow uh, for us. So I'm, I'm pretty involved in this area. So if you ever want to talk about that stuff, I love talking about this type of stuff. So hit us up. Uh, on the high tech podcast in that area, which we will share how you can do that in a second. But before we do, before we do, I have no transition. So we're going to talk about our app. No, do you like fruit? <laughs> I I do like some fruit. Have you ever eaten a fig? I have eaten a fig. Do you like figs? Um, they're. I don't know what I was going to do. Yes, they're great. They're delicious. <laughs> well. I think that gets us to Figma somehow. <laughs> okay. So for our app today, we want to talk about Figma. This has been on Will and I's list for a little while. Um, I was first introduced to Figma through my background in some user experience stuff. I've done some training on that over the last couple of years. And Figma is a tool in that area that's often used to do mock-ups and things for uh, design and areas like that. But recently this summer, they became free for education and they've been getting more into the education space. Will and I, when we were at ISTE, uh, we got a chance to see some of their uh, presentation on what they were doing in this area. They also, at around that time, released their new whiteboard tool called Fig Jam, uh, which also I think is hilarious that it's called Fig Jam and then Jamboard died. Uh, and so yep. Yep. <laughs> I also love in. Fig Jam. Like like yeah. figs are delicious in yeah. jam. So it's jam, it's right? So good. good job, right? So Figma Figma's a great tool. What is Figma? A uh, couple things. There's kind of two parts to Figma that we're, we're talking about. There's the regular tool that Figma's been doing for a while, and then there's the thing we just referenced and made jokes about, Fig Jam. Okay, regular tool for Figma. I think the easiest way to describe it in my mind is it's kind of like a mock-up design tool to a certain extent. Like you can use it to create graphics, you can use it to edit things. What a lot of people use it to do is like mock-up apps and interfaces and design ideas. Um, it's kind of like a creative tool that allows you to do that stuff. It has some functionality like some Adobe tools would have, um, but it's definitely more geared towards like how giving you kind of a, a collaborative space to mock up visual ideas. I think that's probably the best way I would describe Figma yep. um, is the way you're using that. So Will and I have been using Figma for a little while now here for other things. Um, and in our case, what we've used it is we've been creating assets for courses and things that we've been using. Uh, and it's been incredibly helpful. Uh, we can... Uh, it supports a thing that we like to use often, which are called vector images that allow you to kind of edit the images a little bit differently than regular images. Um, and so it's been an area where Will and I have been able to pull things in recolor them, edit them, tweak them. Uh, another way you can use it is to kind of like mock up pages and uh, design yeah. stuff. So like for, for graphic design students and things like this, Figma is a great tool to use in that area. You can have your students mock up websites. They can mock up web pages. They can create all of this stuff inside Figma. Not only that, but they can create their own experiences. I think, Will, you remember at ISTE, we saw them displaying, like, students creating, like, games and uh, environments in in here. Like, now, we're not talking, like, Unreal Engine, right? People aren't creating, right. like, full 3D right. worlds. But they're creating kind of, like, fun little games and stuff that people could do. They were creating experiences 
uh, and having some fun with it. I think that was that was pretty cool that you could see Figma being used. Um, well, I know you haven't used it quite as much, but like, have you, based on what we've seen and what you're seeing at ISTE, what are some of your thoughts on it? Well, it, it actually, it's one of those ones that's hard for me to differentiate in the market against like Miro, Mural, some of the like big whiteboard tools that have been coming out because they can kind of all be used for these things, uh, whether it's just collaborative jamming, like collaboratively working on content, uh, making things together, sharing things around. You know, Miro, for instance, um, and, and Lucid Chart, Lucid is another one that's in the space. You know, these tools got kind of popular in education where different groups of students could be in one large infinite space, digital space and like work on things together. They could be assembling materials. They could do, you know, with, with the pandemic, I had a lot of instructors start to use tools like this to do like sorting activities that usually do in person with like post-it notes and stuff like that. Um, but they, they are competitors in the digital whiteboard space. Figma started in much more user experience, like, like, technical spaces right so it's now something that's broadened itself and is has entered into the game against miro lucid chart mural etc etc um google jamboard has fallen right and fig jam will rise but um <laughs> what what's funny to me is like somebody made this tool to be able to do wireframes of websites and now it's being used by like six-year-olds trying to sort apples from oranges or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you can use it for anything. Um, yeah. You could you could make an entire website in this thing, uh, you know, visually, and then hand it off to a coder, a backend developer to create it. Right? Um, it's just a pretty fantastic and pretty robust tool. Josh and I love tools that have free for education plans, right? And so yes. Figma has joined that 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 group. And like, you know, I love free. I love freemium, but I love free for education most of all because giving yeah. this to educators means you all can do more for yourselves, more with your students, and start to use real-life authentic software with your students. Imagine today people using figma are learning it for the first time and then trying to use it professionally if your kids are learning it in safe spaces in safe learning spaces and then they go to college and use it they're leagues ahead of people who are using it in business today they yeah. will be have been using it you know for their academic careers and then get to use it professionally they'll be able to do so much more with it like i just love the authentic use of of um, professional software in an academic sense so you know, yeah, it's it's really robust when you're talking about vector images and, and things like that. You can <laughs> I love looking at the left hand side of Josh and my working project. It's got like every single visual asset listed that's in the, the Figma board. Um, and it's just hundreds of things because each image we have in there is a compilation yeah. of a 20 or 30 vector images. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's just crazy. Like you couldn't. You couldn't necessarily put that together in one thing before Figma. You know, even even if you were trying to think of like Adobe Illustrator to build stuff like that, you couldn't do it collaboratively. You couldn't work on oh, vector yeah, images like that in Adobe Illustrator collaboratively. And now you could. You might not be able to generate them in Figma, but if you if you get these images and their vectors, you can put them in Figma, and now anyone can work on them together. Yeah. In open yeah, for like context, Will and I like let's let's take a step back into the the work area we're in. Will and I have pulled assets for a project 
we're vectorizing them so that we can use them and, and edit them and tweak colors and stuff like that because most of them are AI generated and AI is a wonderful wild uh, journey of experiences. But like we can put them all into this Figma board Edit, like I can be live editing them while Will is looking at them and pulling things in. Will and I were were collaborating on it and pointing out things that needed fixed, and I would fix them while he was looking at other stuff, right? Um, and so it's really cool. It's it's something that like you couldn't have done in a lot of other tools. So like a good example of this is like if any of you are having students doing graphic design or digital illustration or anything like that, and you want to have them collaborate on ideas, Figma is a fantastic tool to have them use for stuff like this. Uh, so yeah, they have a free for education plan. It's part of the reason we're, we're highlighting them as well. They've been a great tool in this area. I was super excited when they got a free for education plan because I have an education email and uh, I've wanted to use Figma for a lot of different reasons. And so I was super excited to get into Figma finally again and, and pull some stuff in. But uh, also if you're looking for whiteboards specifically, that's where Fig Jam comes into play. And that's where my comment would be. I agree with Will. Like, listen, here's the deal. We've talked about Miro a lot on this this podcast and I love Miro. Fig Jam is a lot like Miro. It's a whiteboard tool. Um, I will say I think it's maybe a little bit more focused on the whiteboard tool. Miro has definitely branched out from being just a whiteboard to wanting to be other things. But I will say they have a lot of the same features. Um, you can add post-it notes, shapes, text boxes, images, stickers. Uh, it integrates with third-party apps, so you can add other things in there. It has a timer up in the top corner, so if you're using this to uh do digital collaboration and stuff like that you can put timers up for people uh, i've talked about this with miro i use this with miro all the time and i love it uh and so fig jam also has this and i've tested it out a little bit i their features are really cool it's and it's easy to get people in they integrate with a lot of the same stuff that uh jamboard google jamboard did so if you're looking for an alternative go check out fig jam i think it's it's a cool tool to look yeah. at uh, you can check out our webpage to find out about how to get some of the free for education stuff and how to maybe get your institution verified and things like that there's some stuff you can do on their website to do that um but we'll point you in those directions but it's a cool tool so again you can go check out figma at figma.com and at that website you can both check out the regular tool and check out their uh, fig jam board tool if you're looking for something more in the whiteboard space to help you out so i think it's a cool tool go check it out figma so with that said that is our app and uh, we are going to move on to what is next on the High Tech Podcast. Well, we're going to come back and talk about improving course. No, I'm just joking. We're not coming back to that topic. <laughs> Part um, two. Not for now. Part two. We're actually going to evaluate this last episode live on a podcast uh, to show you how evaluation should go. <laughs> <laughs> That's meta. That's meta, and I like it. That's we a meta vibe. Yeah, I like it. Can, yeah. I, can I say Yo. it? Can I say it? Can I say it? Can I say it? I'm really excited. Yeah, can go for it? it. You say it. You got to say it. Yeah, oh, you're guys, we're finally it. here. Hi Tech Podcast. We have arrived. Episode 126 begins a series of five episodes in which we will investigate the educational impact and the educational viability of the philosophies and theories and love and laughter and joy we see <laughs> in the TV show ted lasso that's right episode 120 <laughs> in the ted lasso goes to college series we'll do five episodes looking into um ted lasso and how it applies to education i still can't <laughs> believe we're doing it and i'm so excited we've already recorded some of it i can't wait to go back to you i yeah. uh, thank you thank you back to you yes you, I, I didn't think about how important it would be for you to announce that yes uh, uh, for those of you who don't know in the podcast or haven't seen our twitter or whatever 
Uh, Will is obsessed with Ted Lasso. Uh, understandably, I love myself some Ted Lasso. He's got uh, some Catholic Ted Lasso candles, if you will, uh, there <laughs> Uh, area so if you're not seeing that you're just listening to audio stop it go watch a video uh and you can see it oh uh, so um yes we're starting the ted lasso goes to college series next week next week we're gonna be will and i are gonna be introing us out we're gonna be talking about what we've kind of called the ensemble we're gonna talk about the team and kind of relate it back to education and um some collaboration and some team components and classroom components we're gonna be looking at that but this series is gonna be awesome guys not just because we're connecting with ted lasso but we got a star-studded cast joining us we got robin jeffers joining us again she has not been on the podcast for a while the great the awesome dr justin harbin is going to be joining there will be a second illingworth in this series uh you will see him and he is returning one might call him the ultimate photo booth uh host if you will uh will be (laughs) joining us again on the podcast for the series i feel like i'm missing somebody am i missing somebody steve martinez steve, steve martinez, martinez that's right steve martinez Emmy. is coming back for the ted lasso goes to college so you do not want to miss this series we're going to have somebody with us almost every episode of the series they all love ted lasso as much as we do i think most of them almost peed their pants when they found out we were doing a ted lasso series tied to education um so it is going to be a blast uh i will say now if you have not watched ted lasso you will still get stuff out of the series. Yes, if you yes. want to watch Ted Lasso, you should probably do that before you listen to this series because we are a hundred percent going to spoil Spoiler alerts, everything. Okay. So uh, that is next week starting episode one twenty six. Ted Lasso goes to college uh, is going to be great. Uh, just a reminder, you can find us on Twitter and YouTube at high tech podcast. You can also email us inbox at high tech podcast. Inbox at hightechpod.us. Uh, if you want to join uh, the uh, podcast and be a guest, you can hit us up there. If you want to give us some ideas, feedback, if you want to talk to us about improving courses, we'd be happy to do that. Email us at inbox at hightechpod.us. Remember, we have a website, hightechpod.us. You can go check out every episode page uh, that we put up there. We put up fun links. Like for this episode, we will link you out to Fig Jam and give you some instructions on how to get started there. So you can go check that out. Again, thank you for joining us for another week as we continue to look at what it looks like to harness technology in the classroom, whether online, in person, about tanks, or whatever it may be. See ya. See ya.